I want to label this message, The Clothes We Wear. So growing up on Sunday nights was an interesting event in, in, in my house as I grew up. I had to do um, this thing, and it was called Get Out Your Clothes for School. And for my household, I had to get the entire clothes out for the entire week. Um, they had to be nice and ironed. They had to be put on hangers, and they had to be put into closets. And I would get checked on that, right? I don't know if parents do that nowadays with their, with their kids, but um, it was something every Sunday night that we had to do. Now, personally, I didn't mind it because I loved trying them on and looking in the mirror and making sure I was fresh and ready to, to flex on my classmates the next day. My siblings didn't like it as much. Um, they didn't like it at all, in fact. But during this process of getting out my clothes for the week, there were plenty of times that I tried uh, certain pants on that just didn't fit. Um, I even tried different shirts on that was maybe too small or too big. And what I would do is take those clothes off, put, in, on, a, uh, put on the floor in a pile that I would later get in trouble for, for not getting them up. It's a natural habit of trying on clothes to make sure that we look, that we look right. As I was reading through this passage this morning um, and throughout this week, I'm convinced that there are pieces of fabric that we need to remove from our spiritual closets and never put back on again. Because they don't fit us. They're too baggy. They're too small. Or in fact, they just don't look good at all. And unlike how I got yelled at for not getting those clothes up off the floor, our Heavenly Father won't be mad at us. In fact, he would be, he would be proud because we are following his, his word. I think the point in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, Paul encourages us to put on Jesus Christ so that we live in such a way that represent him. If we had to uh, give a quick snapshot of this passage, the, the, the quick thesis or main idea from it is simply to put on Christ Jesus so that we live in such a way that we can represent him. One of our values here at this church is to be city servants. We want to serve the city, and serving the city includes us representing the God that we believe in, his attributes, his character. I submit to you that the clothes we wear should look good, and it should reflect the person we follow. In fact, the clothes, they, they are the person that leads us. So as we reflect on the clothes that we wear, we have to first be aware of the times. We first have to be aware of, of the times. Verse 11 connects us beautifully to Romans chapter 12, Romans 13, all the way to verse 10. Um, if you read this, it connects very, very well. It links perfectly. It reveals the completion of the Apostle Paul's teaching on living and loving like, like, like a follower of Jesus. Um, he talks about loving our neighbor as ourselves. He talks about being grace-motivated. He talks about us uh, being the people of God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And there are certain characters, there are certain behaviors that should uh, um, um, 
characterize us so that we can be able to, to do this. But I don't want to make a mistake because I'm not sure um, if you're here, and let's say you may not know who this Apostle Paul is. I just want to introduce you to him a little bit. Uh, Paul is an in- interesting individual because he um, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Not only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, he was an individual that you would look at him and say he had it all together from a, from a natural human perspective. He actually even persecuted many Christians before he became a follower uh, of Jesus. He planted churches. He was very missional. He did a lot of great, of great things. And yes, he persecuted a lot of Christians. And then sadly, he ended up becoming probably the most persecuted Christian for his faith. God is in the business of saving unlikely people. And Paul was an unlikely person to ultimately be used for his glory. So that's who Paul is. And he wrote... Romans, in in this verse, in verse 11, as we are to be aware of the times that we are in, Paul's idea in this verse is knowledge of the end times should motivate us, should motivate God's people to live righteously. Understanding, comprehending the, the last days, the end times, whatever time that we are in, understanding that should motivate us to live holy, to live right. He says that we should wake up. We shouldn't be sleepwalking in our faith. I'm sure some of you probably here have probably sleptwalked before. You fall, you bump into things. It's not good sleepwalking, right? So you should wake up. And this is what Paul is actually saying. You should wake up and should know that There is an appointed time. There's a fixed time. There's a a special thing that is happening so that you can be aware of what's going on, to be aware of times. There's a word here in the Greek, it's kairos, and it means a, a period characterized by some aspect of special crisis. A period of time characterized by some special crisis. There's a, a, a present time. There's a fixed time. There's an appointed time that something is happening or going to happen. And you should be aware of it. Uh, for instance, um, for those that don't know, uh, church starts at 10 o'clock. Not 10.06. Not 10.15. But 10 o'clock, that's in a fixed time, that's an appointed time that we have that we come together to worship God. Now, our new people in the building, y'all are doing great. In fact, some of y'all are here before staff gets here. Right? There's a, a fixed time, there's an appointed time, and I think what Paul is saying here, we have to be aware of the times that we are in. In this passage, he also talks about salvation, right? Verse, um, the last part of verse 11. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. This idea of salvation, uh, we had a guest preacher last Sunday, Ashanti, and he talked about the different 
variations of salvation. It could be a past, it could be present, and it could be in the future. Here is a future completion, a future tense, a future aspect of our salvation. So it's helpful for us to think about salvation, at least in those three different movements. Here it is in the future. I think it's important to remember the times, to be aware of the times so that we can live, we can live right. Amen? So we can live holy, so we can live righteously. Um, there's been a lot of talk uh, about the last times, the end days, as we think about wars and rumors of wars, as we think about a bunch of different things. And my encouragement is um, we don't know when our time is up. We really don't. We don't know when it's our time to go. So question I would ask as we think about being aware of the end times is where are you at before God? Are you right with God? Do you have a relationship with him through faith and repentance in Christ? If you don't, my encouragement is for you to believe, to trust, no matter what it is that you may be going through, because we should be aware of the times. As we are aware of the times that we are in, we also must behave in a God-honoring way. Uh, we should be behave in a God-honoring way. Now listen, when I say behave, uh, I'm not talking merely behavior modification. I'm not talking legalistically. I'm not talking, here's these rules, these set of rules, and you just got to do them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart transformation that only the Holy Spirit can do in an individual, in a person, in order for them to want, for them to desire to behave in a God-honoring way. Does that make sense? This is not behavior modification. This is heart transformation. I love this as Paul continues to write here, this contrast with the day of, of the Lord. For those that may not be familiar with that understanding or that phrase, this is the day where Christ will rescue his people, but he also would judge his enemies. We read about this all throughout the, the Bible. He also goes on and talks about this light versus dark theme that we see here. And by the way, when we look at passages like in 1 John or we look at the Gospel of John, light and dark is threaded throughout the Bible. In the ancient times, light referred to somebody or something that, that was good, that was right, that, that, was, that was holy, that uh, meant that there was a, a goodness to it. And darkness represented evil. It represented bad stuff, right? So when Paul is, is referring to and talking that there is a, the works of darkness should be cast away, should be put aside, he's talking about the evil behavior, the bad behavior that does not honor God. That's what he's referring to and talking about. In our passage, we have cast off, which can also be translated to put aside, to, to, to throw away. And I was reading in the Gospel of Mark, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and actually turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 
specifically verse 49 and 50 we'll look at. But I was struck by this image as I was reading Mark this week. Mark chapter 10, verses 49 and 50 we'll look at. And hopefully this will kind of communicate this idea of, of casting off or putting aside or throwing away. If you know about Jesus, Jesus is an is a, is a individual who is about um, preaching, teaching, but also healing people. He heals a lot of different people. And just so you know, God is in the business of healing people today. Amen? It's not something that we should just say, oh, he did this in the past and whatever. No, no, he does that today. Okay? But in this passage here, there's a blind man, a blind beggar, as it says. And this blind beggar wants Jesus to heal him. He cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. One time and then a second time, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 49, this is what Jesus says. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. Get up, he is calling you. In verse 50, here it is. And throwing off his cloak, he sprung up and came to Jesus. That sense of casting off and putting aside or throwing off, this is what Paul is communicating and saying when he says, cast off the works of darkness. Think of some type of experience or some type of excitement that you have. Let's say you were under the covers. <laughs> and, you know, um, I remember one time, I was at home, and I was under the covers because I was really cold that night. And parents came home, and they gave me a gift. And when they came home, they said, John, we got a gift for you. No matter how cold I was, I threw off the covers, and I went down to go get that gift. This is what Paul is communicating when he says, put aside. So as we turn back over to Romans, this is an idea here that we should cast away the works of, of darkness, the works of, of, of evil. Cast off negatively, but to put on the armor of light. You see that. Again, we see this contrast that he continues to keep doing here, the armor of light. Now, what's fascinating about this is this is a, a military image here. When you think about armor, there's certain... Uh, uh, um, attire that the people of God should have so that they can stand against temptation, so that they can stand against the works of the enemy, so that they can stand against the schemes of the devil. If we're not properly dressed, if we're not properly clothed, then it's easy for us to get swallowed up. When we think about Ephesians chapter 6, we also think that, listen, you got to put on the whole armor of God. This military image here, this military language is important as we think about the clothes that we wear as we represent him in this world. One commentator says it this way, and I love this quote here. He, talking about Christ, should be like a suit of clothes that we wear all the time. His dominating presence should guide us to do things pleasing to God and restrain us from activity inconsistent with the Lord whom we represent. The type of clothes that we should wear should represent our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul continues on and he says, as we think about this, we should do it in these, we should not do it not do it in these types of ways in verse 13. 
He is very specific in these things of how we should not live and we should not do. What's interesting is he has these three couplets of sins. If you understand what Paul does here, um, this is what we call a vice list. A vice list is basically just a list of sins that he talks about and he explains. He does this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He also does it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as well. And he does this a, a, a lot. Here's a mini vice list that he talks about. The first two pair is orgies and, and, and drunkenness. The second two pair are sexual immorality and sensuality. And the last two pair that he couples is quarreling and jealousy. What's fascinating about all these different things is um, if we just pick on, like, drunkenness, for instance, right? Um, In the ancient times and in modern times, typically when you are drunk, (laughs) when your senses are impaired, you don't really make the best decisions, right? Some of us or some of you probably have heard of people that may be drunk and they get behind a wheel, and end up hurting somebody or hurting themselves because their senses are impaired, right? Or when you think about drunkenness and sexual immorality, um, you know, I, I think about the college campus a lot when there's crazy parties that happen that happens, and you are drunk and you find yourself in somebody's dorm room. Voluntarily or involuntarily, right? So this idea of, of drunkenness, it, when we put this together, um, Paul is not saying alcohol is necessarily bad per se in and of itself, but the idea of drinking to get drunk, that, that, is, a, that is a problem. That is not in accordance with God's word. That is not behaving in a God-honoring God-honoring way. If we talk about quarreling, for instance, and I think this is an important one for us because um, a lot of people like to bicker and argue a lot, sometimes over very, very foolish things, things that really don't even make any sense, right? Paul says we shouldn't be characterized by arguments and, and quarreling. In fact, we should be characterized by something completely different, something else. Maybe we can say, like, Jesus devoted with one of our values here at this church. There's more that could be said about all of these different sins that he says here, but essentially what Paul is communicating is if we want to put on Jesus Christ and represent him in this world, it's not by doing these things. And these are very specific things. Question for you is, in this list, you don't got to raise your hand, but where where you may fall short at. As you look at this list, as you think about the kingdom vision and living life in the kingdom, where do you fall short at? If there are areas that you do fall short at, I want to encourage you that there's forgiveness at the cross. So you don't got to stay there whether it's sexual immorality that you're struggling with, whether it's quarreling, whether it's jealousy, whether it is drunkenness or whatever the case is, 
you don't have to stay there because by God's grace, he gives us a way out. And as we are armored with the light, we can be able to fight against the schemes of, of the devil. One thing about me is I'm pretty fascinated with this guy here, um, Augustine, St. Augustine. He's the North African church father. Um, I, I love a lot about him. He's, um, if I just want to take some time just to study anybody, he probably would be the individual. I bring this up because I think all of us can resonate with Augustine in a lot of different ways. One, um, not only he became a pastor and he wrote many great works and all of that, but he was an individual that struggled. He's an individual that struggled specifically with sexual immorality. And in his um, book that he elaborates on, he talks about um, this verse of Romans is very important in terms of how he got converted, how he became a follower of Christ. This is what happened with Augustine. In Augustine's case, this moment came like a thunderstorm when pent-up emotions started overflowing, and he was reduced to the flood of tears. It was when he was in the desperate state that he heard a child's voice, which seemed to be calling out, take up and read, take up and read. Augustine took this to mean that he must pick up the portion of scripture nearest to hand and read whatever his eye fell on. It turned out to be the Apostle Paul's epistle, Romans. Augustine said, I grasp, opened, and in silence read the paragraph on which my eyes fell. Interestingly enough, Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, was the verses that he read that God, through his word, spoke to him in such a way that he cried out for God, that he became a follower of Jesus. These verses here today, I think that's fascinating and interesting as we think about the darkness and the light. Maybe you're here and maybe you would be like Augustine. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you through his word from these verses right now for you to cry out to the Savior and to be converted. <laughs> by the power of the Holy Spirit, through his, through his word. Paul talks about those are the ways of darkness, but we should behave in a different way, specifically in these ways. In verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, it should be uh, noted that this idea of putting on, this is repeated elsewhere in Scripture, um, I didn't put all the verses on here, but here's just at least two that talks about this idea of putting on uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and, and, and holiness. Paul also wrote Ephesians. So again, he's using this language of putting on. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. This idea of putting on, Paul is repeating what he talked about in Romans chapter 6 and in Romans chapter 8. So the clothes that we wear, it should be 
God-honoring, it should be Christ-honoring. If I can make it plain for you this morning, Roosevelt, the clothes represent or should represent the genes of righteousness, the shirt of justice, the turtleneck of grace, the jacket of love, the belt of compassion, the socks of kindness. And if you choose to put a hat on today, the hat of patience. Indeed, these are the pieces of attire that we should have on that we should broadcast, that we should represent, that we should walk boldly and confident, just like when you get those clothes that you get on Christmas and you put them on and you feel so good about yourself and you walk around flexing on people, right? We should have that same tendency, that same heart when we're putting on the armor of God. Indeed, those accessories are important. But in this text, Paul actually says that we should put on Jesus Christ. How do you put on a person? To put on Christ is to be empowered by Christ. To be motivated by Christ, to be directed by Christ, to be guided by Christ, to be dominated by Christ in such a way that you walk around with holy clothes on, representing him in this world, in this time. So, as I come to a close, how can we put on on Christ? I think two ways. And the text gives us, <laughs> give this to us. I didn't even have to even make it up on my own. First, living by faith in him, studying his word, and seeking to reflect him in our actions. Living by faith, trusting in him, belief, studying his word, and seeking to reflect him in our actions. That whole Phrase, what would Jesus do? As, you know, cheesy or whatever that may sound, there is some significance and importance to that as we think about putting on Christ. To reflect him in our actions, through thought, through word, and through deed. And guess what? He gives us the grace and the power to be able to do this, no matter how many times that we fall short of his grace. And then secondly is, to don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. (laughs) Many of us make plans for a lot of different things. Paul is saying, don't make plans to sin. Don't go over her house. Don't go over his house. Maybe you shouldn't watch that because that's going to influence you to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe you shouldn't hang around those people that are doing things that are not God-honoring. Don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Instead, let's make plans that glorify God. We all have desires. Those desires are not going to go away, okay? So we need to ask God to give us new desires. 
those new desires, those new attitudes, those new habits that will glorify him and honor him. And so that we can behave in a God-honoring, God-honoring way. Amen. So the clothes that we wear, Roosevelt, let's make them look good. Let's walk out here ready to flex (laughs) on the enemy in so many ways.